62 CP, Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Where Satan aims is your mind. And if he can get you to think improperly, then he'll pull you away from the purity of devotion to Jesus Christ, which is what life is all about for a Christian. And so you protect your minds from his deceptions by how? Knowing and applying the Word of God. Take every opportunity. Be in Sunday school. Be here Sunday morning. If, If you're not working or you're not prohibited from coming, be here Sunday night. If you can't be here Wednesday night, I don't think that's too much to ask for people. I don't think that's too much to ask. We learn the Word of God. In Colossians 3.16, the Apostle Paul challenged the believers with these words, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. He was not merely challenging this group of believers to make the Scriptures the focal point of their gatherings. He was also urging them as individuals to be immersed in God's Word, to fill their lives with the Word of Christ, its study, its explanation, its application, and its memorization. Hello and welcome to another broadcast of Verse by Verse and the teaching ministry of Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been examining the life of the Old Testament character Nehemiah. In our most recent broadcasts, he has been explaining how the precautions and strategies employed by Nehemiah some 2,400 years ago have a present-day application in the Christian's struggle against spiritual foes. And although there are many facets to the believer's spiritual preparation, they all hinge upon the truths that God has revealed in His Word. That is why it is so important that believers seek to understand what the Bible says, why it says it, and how to obey it today. Unfortunately, we often spend more time watching movies or surfing the Internet than we spend studying God's Word. Pastor Steve has a lot more to say on this topic today as he concludes this study about facing the attacks in our lives. So, God has provided for every believer here all the resources you need to be protected from the enemy. You just need to make sure that when you get up in the morning, you get dressed, not only physically, but spiritually. You put on all the armor and you make sure you've got your sword on. Now, that's the first principle. I said there were three. The first principle about protection from the enemy is be prepared. Be prepared. Be ready. And God has told you how to get ready. Secondly, the second principle about protection from uh, our enemy is not only be prepared, but be together. Be together with other believers. To go back to Nehemiah chapter 4. I want to read to you verses 19 and 20. Remember, the first thing is they were ready for attack. Second thing now, Nehemiah said, I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, The work is great and extensive, and we are separated on the wall far from one another. At whatever place you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. Great, great portion. Great scriptures. Having prepared for for the attack, they were ready. Nehemiah now informed the people what to do in the event that there was an actual attack. We're ready for it. What do we do if it happens? Okay. 
And the strategy was this, that if they, when they heard the trumpet sound, and in verse 18 it says the trumpeter went with Nehemiah. You know, he was like a, a head football coach. You ever watch the head football coaches? There's always someone standing right near them carrying all the equipment so they can talk into this. That's kind of this, this way. There was the trumpeter who followed Nehemiah wherever he went. And if there was an attack, the trumpeter was to blow the horn and the people would rally to that spot. And that was a strategy. Now, the reason for this strategy, it's rather obvious. Nehemiah didn't want anyone fighting alone. He said, we're spread out. It was about a two and a half mile radius around. And he said, we're spread out on the wall and uh, you're going to lose if you fight alone. So gather together and we'll fight together. We'll be stronger that way. And the principle still holds today. This isn't that hard to grasp. The principle is this. Don't fight alone. Be with someone else. God never intended for you or me to face spiritual warfare alone. Some people go through difficult times, and I don't know why, but they want to keep it real private. You got to share that with God's people. Maybe not everybody, but share it with some so that, that we can pray, so that we can encourage, so that we can stand with you, so that we can say, you know, I went through something like this, and this is how God comforted me. We need one another. Uh, that's why the church uh, is called the body of Christ. Your body is together. Your body, unless something is wrong with your body, functions together. You can't have your, your hand doing something like this and go pull it back. That, something's wrong with your body to do that. A body functions uh, with unity, mutual support, encouragement. Everything just kind of clicks together. In Ephesians chapter 4, you, you don't need to turn there, I'll just read it to you. But uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, Paul speaks about that. He says that with all humility and gentleness and patience, showing forbearance to one another in love, this is how we're to treat one another, be diligent to preserve what? The unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. We are unified. Let's not blow it. That's what he's saying. Do it in the bond of peace. Treat one another like that. Build one another up. We're, we're a body. The church is also a family. You're not just the body of Christ, but you're a family. And families stick together. And families are there for one another. You see, one of the great dangers that we face as a local church, and, and every church that has a sizable number of, of people, is that uh, you can become very impersonal. You can become spectators. You can become people who just show up on Sundays for about an hour and a half and never connect with one another during the week. That's not the New Testament church. I don't know what that is, but that's not the New Testament church. The New Testament church is mutual encouragement, holding one another accountable, loving one another, meeting one another's needs. It isn't just show up for a sermon, do some singing, put some money in the offering, and then go home, I'll see you next Sunday. That's not it. That's not the way the early church was. That's not the way a family operates. That's not the way the body of Christ is to operate. Chuck Swindoll, in his excellent book on uh, Nehemiah, said this, none of us should say, I don't need anybody else. That's poor theology and conveys a warped view of Christianity. The response of the healthy child is, I can't possibly do it alone. But, oh God, if you will give me your strength through your spirit and link me with a brother or sister in the family of God who can encourage me and whom I can encourage, I will be rallying around you until the last day of that test. See, that's the point. Don't do it alone. You can't do it alone. You'll be defeated. 
You know, it's interesting as you think about it and read through the Bible, you will see a pattern there. And the pattern is that uh, Bible characters, most of the time, had mutual friends. Bible characters were supported by, by friends around them, friends who cared. For example, Moses had his Joshua. Moses also had his father-in-law. Elijah had his Elisha and that closeness there. David and Jonathan, the Bible says, were soulmates. They loved each other with a depth of, of the closest of friendships. Paul, we saw in our study in Colossians, had many friends. Paul had friends all around the Roman Empire, but some were real special, like, like Timothy. He said, I don't have anybody like Timothy. He's special. He's special. In Hebrews, you know, I think we often misunderstand Hebrews chapter 10. How often have we heard Hebrews chapter 10, which says that uh, not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of, of some is. Uh, how often we say, well, yeah, you need to be in church because you need to encourage. You need to be encouraged. Actually, Hebrews 10 says, no, you need to be in church so you can encourage others who are going through the battle. You need to fellowship with others. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24, 25 say, says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, these people were going through persecution. They were battling. Some had abandoned the fellowship. Some had abandoned Jesus Christ. I think that's what he's talking about. And what he's saying is don't just get together in church and go through the motions of, uh, and even just go worship. You need to be vitally involved in one another's lives because you need to be involved so you can encourage one another, so you can stimulate them. Church is not really so much for you as it is for you to meet other people's needs. And uh, it goes beyond church attendance, talking about fellowship. And that's why I've said that, that we need uh, home Bible studies. We need accountability groups. We need people who will meet in, as friends around the word. That, that's what we need. Do you have a special friend like that? Someone you can really share with who you know will pray for you, will give you biblical uh, counsel, someone who will uh, encourage you during the battles? If not, then you ask God for someone like that. You ask God to give you someone you can share your heart with and, and, and trust and have confidence they're not going to gossip about you. Somebody you know cares about you and someone you can care about and hold them accountable. You see, when we're isolated, not only are we going we're gonna to lose the battle, but when we're isolated, you're going to have some warped thinking. I'm going to have some warped thinking. You need others around to say, uh, I don't think you're, you're thinking clearly on this. Um, many times in my relationship with Michelle, that happens. I'll say, I'll react to something and sometimes overreact. And she'll say, well, Steve, I don't, I don't have you thought this through? You need to think about this. What about this that the Bible says? And uh, you know, that's what I'm talking about. You need somebody who will help you through the battles because otherwise you're going to run off with something of your own thinking rather than somebody who's going to be a friend and love you enough to bring you back to a biblical perspective. And when you do this and you get together with others during your battles, notice what God says in Nehemiah 4 at the end of verse 20. Our God will fight for us. When we obey him, in terms of fellowship, then God will give us the victory over our enemies. In other words, you do your part and God will do his part. But if you isolate yourself, God will not fight for you. 
Nehemiah said, if you do this, then our God will fight for you. If you don't, then our God will not fight for you and you will lose. So we have to avail ourselves of God's resources if you want victory. That is, take the armor, make sure you're, you're clothed every day spiritually, and also not only be prepared, but be together. I hope you'll do that. I hope you'll seriously seek out somebody who will be your friend. The third principle about protection from an enemy is not only be prepared, not only be together, but also be alert. Be alert. Be aware of what's going on. Notice verses 21 through 23. So we carried on the work with half of them holding spears from dawn until the stars appeared. At that time, I also said to the people, let each man with his servants spend the night within Jerusalem so that they may be on guard, may be a guard for us by night and a laborer by day. So neither I, my brothers, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us removed our clothes and each took his weapon even to the water. Now the work went forward during this time from morning until evening. Some labored by day and others guarded by night. That's what he's saying. And those who lived outside of Jerusalem, like in the suburbs, they stayed there for those for that amount of time. They stayed, and uh, they didn't leave. They stayed to help guard the city at night. Now, what's the principle? They're alert. They're watchful. They're vigilant. They didn't even stop to change their clothes for a restful night, nor did they lay aside their weapons even while washing. I don't have I don't have a clue how they did all that. But and I don't even want my mind to wander to think about how they might have done that. But in other words, these people were ready at all times. They were ready. They were watchful, they were alert, they were looking out. And and it ought to be the same for us. And the the principle is this. Alertness to the enemy is critical. Is critical if you're to experience God's protection. Never take Satan for granted. Never take him for granted. Never underestimate his power. Never think he can't figure this out. He is so subtle and so brilliant, obviously in a demonic sense, in a mad kind of way, uh, irrational kind of way. But I, I want you to see something. Notice what 1 Peter 5 says. I've been quoting 1 Peter 5, 8, but I want you to see something more than a roaring lion. 1 Peter 5.8 says, before he tells us about our adversary, he says, be of sober spirit. And he says, be on the alert, be looking, be sober minded, be on the alert. Why? Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He says in verse nine, but resist him. I resist him. Peter calls us to be alert to the enemy's desire to rip you apart and destroy your testimony for Christ. Now, I believe that Peter was especially sensitive, extra sensitive to this. You know why? Because the enemy once ripped him apart and almost destroyed him for all of his Christian days, all of his Christian life, almost. And and you must turn to uh, Mark chapter 14 to see this. Peter knew better than anybody else what it what it really meant to not be alert, what it really meant to take some spiritual issues for uh, for granted. In Mark chapter 14, Jesus is is on the verge of being arrested. Jesus knows what's coming. And so he says in Mark 14, verse 27, Jesus said to them, you will all fall away 
because it is written, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. In other words, when they come to arrest me, you guys are all going to abandon me. They're going to take the shepherd and the sheep are going to scatter. Now that's true. Jesus just saying this is a fact, and he quoted a scripture on that. He said, but after I've been raised, I'll go before you to Galilee. And in other words, I'm going to meet you there. You'll, you'll come back. I'm going to meet you there. But notice what Peter says. Peter said to him, even though all may fall away, yet I will not. Now, I want you to know that sounds real brave. It is nothing more than egotistical pride. What he's saying is, these guys, Lord, I believe you. These guys will probably fall away, but not me. Not me. I know the stuff they're made of, but me. I'm not going to fall away. Now, Jesus just said, all of you are going to fall away. And Peter is saying, Lord, you're right about the others. You're wrong about me. Now, that's what we would call in Jewish circle chutzpah. That's just unbelievable nerve to say, Lord, you're wrong. I'm not going to do it. Now, Peter was not alert to the fact that the enemy of his soul was plotting to use his pride to destroy him. And you may wonder and say, well, how do you know that? Are you reading inside? How do you know that that it was really um, Satan? How, how do you know? Just, you know, are you making this up? No, because Luke chapter 22 gives us more clarification on this. And this is why this is when Peter went, uh, Jesus went on to say, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. You're not just going to fall away. You're going to deny me. I know the stuff you're made of. And you're not as macho as you think you are. In fact, you're, you're weaker than the others. They won't deny me, but you will. Luke chapter 22, verse 31. Listen to what Jesus says. It's the same context. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. See, Satan was behind this. But I pray for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when once you've turned again, strengthen your brethren. And he said to him, Lord, with you, I am ready to go both to prison and to death. I don't think so, Peter. Because Jesus said, I say to you, Peter, the cock will not crow today until you have denied uh, three times that you know me not. I, I don't think so, Peter. But Peter thought that he was really hot stuff. And it was really Satan who, who wanted to sift him like wheat. And uh, he had his day with him, though his faith did not fail. Because he was a true believer. His faith did not fail. And what happens, Jesus said, once you're converted, once you turn back again and you're restored, then strengthen the brethren. You know what? I think First Peter is all about that. It's about strengthening the brethren who are going through satanic attack. And so when Peter says, be alert, that's exactly uh, he has experienced that. And in essence, what he's saying is, uh, don't do what I did. Be alert. Be alert to the enemy. Alert to your soul's enemy because it always almost ruined me for life. Almost ruined me for life. So be alert. Now, I think there's a balance, and I caution you. There are some Christians who perhaps are too alert to Satan. They, they concentrate on the devil. They're not content to read one book. They want to read a lot of books. They've gone, in my judgment, overboard. Uh, they see Satan behind. If somebody sneezes, it must be the demon of a cold. Uh, the Bible doesn't teach that. That's, that's ridiculous. They want to uh, do all kinds of things that I think go beyond the biblical revelation. So I would say, be alert to Satan. Don't concentrate on him. You concentrate on the Lord Jesus Christ. But don't neglect him either. There's a balance. Uh, he's not on every page of Scripture. The Bible doesn't say uh, 
Uh, it doesn't focus on him. He's not the theme of the Bible, but you should be aware of him. He's alive and well on planet Earth, and his desire and plan is to hinder your spiritual progress. So what can you do? Number one, if you have fallen already and you're spiritually defeated now, you need to confess your sin and repent of your sin and get back up and believe the word of God and uh, make no excuses. The devil didn't make you do anything. You're free to serve the Lord. If as a believer you sin, it's because you chose to sin. It wasn't Satan who, who did that. The devil didn't do that. He only tempted you. So no excuses. Secondly, know your Bible and apply it. Know your Bible and apply it. The protection that God offers all revolves around his word. The armor is based on an understanding of his word. Second Corinthians, listen to this, Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. Paul says, But I am afraid, lest as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds should be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Where Satan aims is your mind. And if he can get you to think improperly, then he'll pull you away from the purity of devotion to Jesus Christ, which is what life is all about for a Christian. And so you protect your minds from his deceptions by how? Knowing and applying the word of God. Take every opportunity. Be in Sunday school. Be here Sunday morning. If, If you're not working or you're not prohibited from coming, be here Sunday night. If you can't be here Wednesday night, I don't think that's too much to ask for people. I don't think that's too much to ask. You learn the Word of God. Listen to cassette tapes. Listen to radio. Study it on your own. Ladies, come to the Thursday morning Bible study. Younger women, older women. Every opportunity you have to study and apply the Word of God. Thirdly, fellowship with other Christians. Form a Bible study. Form a Bible study. Get a competent leader. But form a Bible study. Establish an accountability group. Ask God for a close friend to share with. I I meet with some precious men in our fellowship, and I I want you to know it's been just a blessing to me. They hold me accountable. I hold them accountable. And finally, without going overboard, study what the Bible has to say about Satan. I mean, I wouldn't make that a lifelong study. And, you know, just study and then and then apply the truths. And I would recommend if you're looking for one good book on Satan, a book that I think is is so biblical, uh, well-written, practical, is Warren Wiersbe's book uh, put out by Tyndale Press. Wiersbe's book. It's called The Strategy of Satan. It's the best book I've ever seen. A little pocket book. The Strategy of Satan. I don't even know if it's in print, but it's put out by Tyndale and written by Warren Wiersbe. You can call a Christian bookstore to find out. That book would would be very, very helpful. Now, as I said last week, if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4, that Satan has blinded your eyes to the gospel. But you don't have to stay blind. I invite you to trust Jesus Christ. I invite you to come up after the service. One of our leaders should be right here, and uh, you can speak to them about faith in Christ. But for all of us, we need to make sure that we understand there is a real enemy and we need to be prepared for his attacks. You know what? You'll be attacked this week. I'll be attacked this week. Probably a lot of times. You need to apply these truths to your life. 
We have a very real enemy who is seeking to destroy us. He is both powerful and cunning. Yet those who are in Christ he cannot destroy. So, as believers in Christ, we should strive to have a balanced understanding of our adversary. He is far too great for us to withstand in our own power. However, when we walk in the truth and power of Christ, Satan is but a puny nuisance whose final defeat has already been determined. His only hope is to discourage us and deceive us. So the child of God does not need to be fearful, but rather careful and wary of his lies and deceptions. The Word of God is our most important weapon in this battle for truth and right thinking. We want to thank you once again for joining us for today's broadcast. If you would like to learn more about Verse by Verse, please give us a call at 727-239-0306. Or you can visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. We do hope that you'll join us next time as Pastor Steve continues.